Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. Ladies and gentlemen. Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Encore? I hope this isn't our last one. One last time. Now what the hell are you waiting for? Number 65 in progress. Welcome back, buddy. Get him, Jay. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Spending time with another human being. <laughs> Finally crawling out of the COVID cave. Yep. Hopefully it's permanent. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's, it's almost two years at this point. It's crazy. It is. Time flies. I mean, you look at 65 episodes gone by. 65 I remember this is something like just something we just talked about, yeah. and it was just like, why can't we? Yeah. Why why shouldn't we? Yeah, you know. And then, yeah, it actually, all started as a joke. <laughs> then here it is. Yeah, in all this, <laughs> in our in our underground bunker at Ocho's bachelor pad. <laughs> uh, uh, that's uh, great. Absolutely. You know, this warm weather keeping going into October, finally starting to get a little bit of chill, just in time for the World Series. We're yep. tied at one apiece. Have you been watching any of it? Nope. Me neither. But I did watch <laughs> but I did watch a little bit of watched a little bit of last round, caught a little bit here and there. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean Atlanta hasn't been in it in twenty two years. Houston, really? I feel that like long? I think that's what it was. Atlanta is seemingly in it every year now at this oh, point. They keep cheating to get banging in, banging on trash cans to let their <laughs> let everybody know that they're throwing a curveball. I tell you what, you could tell me a curveball is coming every single time, and I'm not going to be able to hit it. <laughs> not happening. I mean, those guys are they're talented at what they do, but it's funny yeah. because you know, you look in terms of athletes, and it's always kind of chuckled like golfers being like is it a is it a game or is it a sport right and it, it, I, I get it yeah but baseball i mean i get it there's more running and everything like that but as far as all team sports as far as baseball is concerned i mean look at you had guys like big poppy mm-hmm. you know manny ramirez back in the day jason giambi was a little pudjo i mean look at all the all-time great you know everybody talks about babe ruth the guy that used to eat 50 hot dogs every game and <laughs> slug 55 gallons of beer and that but and that was your home run leader of all times and to the point where you have these super athletes that are all juiced up going to laboratories and and mentioning you know barry bonds and when he beats him you got to put an asterisk next to his name yeah yeah exactly that's crazy yeah it is it is but I mean, it's it wasn't anything controversial. It's just all vitamin B twelve shots. That's all they were getting. Who the barrier at Labrador? The guys with Victor Conti? Yeah, that's just just vitamin shots. That's all it is. Oh, that's all it was. Just a little <laughs> ZMA. Yeah, just some some, some vitamin T. <laughs> <laughs> little TRT. That's right. Yes, sir. Well, what do you got this week, man? You got a little more I got glitch. The same. Yeah, I'm, I'm a. I'm a I'm a creature of habit until the bottle's done, and then I move on to my next victim. Yeah, that's the same way. I've been, I've been uh, really slow going with this Noble Oak, but... How is it? Is it good? You want to try some? You know what? Why not? Yeah. You, you want to trade for this week? Yeah. All right. Here you go. Here. <laughs> yeah, I've heard this quite a bit. There we go. Got the frozen ball of ice or frozen balls. Absolutely. 
I mean, if it's if it's frozen, then it's generally considered to be ice, right? There's only one way to make ice. Yeah, it's to freeze it. Unless it's, if it's liquid ice, it's it's just water. Let's let's see if I can get the same same tune out it's of this same. one. There it is. Solid. Yeah, yeah perfect. Just means there's a little bit more in that one. <laughs> we got the pour. Like it. Beautiful. What else is there? I don't want to have the last one. right now <laughs> <laughs> salute salute my friend there we go it's pretty good that has a little bit more bite with the with the rye yeah yeah no it's it's not bad though no not bad. it's good i like it i like it it's a good thing that um i can have one of these on on the on the ketogenic diet yeah, you know it's funny. You're you're starting this keto. How many days are you into it? Uh, since Monday. Since so Monday. So here we are. It's Thursday. Any differences yet? Is it something that you experience brand new into it? I hear a lot of people talk about the keto flu. Um, no, I've I've so I've done keto a few times. Um, obviously the first few times were they didn't stick with it, or else I wouldn't be in the fat state that I'm in right now. Um, no, I didn't experience that. What I did experience when I did get flu-like symptoms from a diet was actually a detox diet. Um, it, my cousin has done it a number of years, usually right after the Super Bowl, which is kind of like that period during the year where there isn't really much going on. So at least for us Italians and Catholics, there's not much between you know the Super Bowl and, and, and Easter. Uh, for lack of better description but so he usually does like this detox diet with like where he just basically becomes a vegan for like 21 days not possible in my in my world i you know i I tried it and i'll be honest like you feel good um i i feel like i mean feeling thinner is is one thing but um it's it's like you feel leaner almost and, and, and it's like, you, you don't, you don't feel as bloated as if like when you're eating shit all the time. So that's that. It, it, so you feel good, but it's like when you, it, it, unless you're used to being a vegetarian, it's hard to switch into. It really is. I've tried to do it. I went as far as buying a cookbook, like yeah. a vegan cookbook and a lot of the stuff, even with cheese, it would say to use a vegan. I was like, I had to draw the line somewhere. I was like, if I'm, I'm, I need to at least, at least give me that. Yeah. I'm not ready to just go diving head first into yeah. it. And I'll be honest with you, some of the meals that I, I made were actually pretty good. Yeah. But the thing is, is vegan isn't something that I could eat as a lifestyle, just yeah. not for me anyway. I mean, yeah. there's you know millions of vegans out there and I applaud you for, for what you do. It's cool. But for me, it's just like something that I would eat, like like I'm having Italian that night or Chinese that night. It's just I'm eating vegan tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I, I did feel lighter. I mean, I only lasted but five days maybe when I was trying to be like strict yeah, onto it. Hard. You know, I took the the cookbook, and a lot of the meals I was hearing just took a lot of different ingredients. Yeah. <clears throat> so I found a cookbook that was actually titled, you know, vegan dishes in five five ingredients or less or whatever yeah yeah so it was pretty easy so i went as far as you know i went into each i, I picked maybe like five four or five different ingredients or four or five different entrees 
and I would pick out the ingredients, go to the grocery store, just buy what I needed. And each night I went with, with that. Yeah. And, you know, it was made enough to last a couple of days and some of them, like I said, some of them were good, but it's not something that I could really sustain. I think it takes a lot of willpower because, I mean, a lot of people are, are used to getting, <laughs> a lot of people are used to getting your proteins from meats. Yeah. And, and in these cases, you're getting them from like garbanzo beans or whatever. The fuck you're getting from. <laughs> yeah. Kidney beans and God knows what. Um, yeah, no, I, so I, speaking of, of the flu from this, so a lot of people think it's like, you know, you start burning a lot more fat and therefore you start dumping a lot of either, either you start, either you start burning a lot more fat or you start burning a lot of glycogen stored in your liver. And therefore you end up, you end up releasing a lot more. This is what, and again, this is a theory. People think you start releasing toxins that are, that are stored in your fat tissue. You start releasing it into your bloodstream once again. And because you're not eating enough protein, you're not able to to keep up with with metabolism of these things to to just get rid of them altogether out of your bloodstream. So therefore, it's it's almost like you have an an immune response. All the shit just getting dumped into your bloodstream. That literally ha- happened to me one night. So as I started this detox diet, where I was just purely vegan. Um, so basically, what you're saying is you could have a base, like a a form of like a cytokine storm. <laughs> yeah, from almost. from a diet. <laughs> Yeah, but def- definitely not to that to that extent. But um, yeah, I started. I, I felt good. I mean, I, I felt I didn't feel bloated. I felt leaner, but I I did feel always hungry without a doubt. And I think a lot of it really has to do with just you really eat no protein on that particular diet. Is it to basically get to you know while you're crossing the bridge while your body's adjusting is when you're making when you have those cravings like. Because the whole goal is to what to get to ketosis. Is is that what it is? For keto, yeah. For keto, yeah. For the for the keto diet, and I I am in ketosis. Okay. So, uh, but and you get into it that fast, four days? Oh, uh, in in about a day or so, as your body depletes glycogen stores, and you start born, burning more fat for energy. So, and it's not just the fat that you have in your body; it's the fat that you're actually consuming. Right, because you're you are consuming larger amounts of fat, right? Yes, because you're trying to. That's what a lot of people don't realize just in dieting is yeah. that a lot of your nutrients are delivered to your muscles through fat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, vitamin A, A, D, E, and K are all fat-soluble vitamins. So, uh, and typically they come in the form of, of higher fat foods um, like liver, fish oil, stuff like that. There's a lot of body, like blood types, I would say, right? Because there's this theory, isn't there, that different blood types kind of should avoid certain foods. Yeah, that that was um how was it? The eat right for your type or eat right for your or live right for your type. type I think you did diet. something similar, right? There was like the warrior type, the different Yeah, so that that actually gets a lot more granular okay. than than just than just your blood type. So like your blood type if you're A, B, O or AB, then, you know, there's there's some research showing that certain the the certain certain uh, uh, allergens or antigens in, in foods react differently with different blood types. So if you're type A like me, and I think you are too, right? So if you're type A, then it seems like what's best for you is a more is a more vegetable and fruit heavy diet or a more vegetarian type of diet. But it, it, they do recommend that if you're going to eat any sort of animal protein, 
it's, it should be turkey, maybe salmon. Yeah. But kind of limit it to that. Right. I mean, it was basically no red meats. Yeah. Which I always associate keto as being a foundation for as red meat. Uh, that's what a lot of people think. But realistically, keto is not heavy on protein. Okay. So what, what keto is, is really reducing your carbohydrates to probably maybe 10% of your total calorie intake. So that's would be a similarity between like that and what Atkins was. Yeah. Atkins is basically keto. Just that Atkins was just really heavy in, in a lot of animal fat. Whereas, I mean, keto is, is basically the same thing, just that it really emphasizing in trying to get good fats, like from like, like monounsaturated fats from say like macadamia nuts, avocados, stuff like that. More natural sources. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you talk to some people like, Oh, I'm on a keto diet. It's great. I eat a package of bacon every day. Like, <laughs> how, like how, how do you not get sick on that? Like I tried that and it's, yeah, it's great. I mean, really? bacon every day, but like oh, I, I would, sign me up after a while. It's like, Oh God, I just want to eat something different. I mean, like, yeah, eating whole eggs and eating bacon. I mean, if you could tolerate that every week or every meal, I mean, God bless you. I can't, I, I really I, need I variety. I don't think there's anything I could tolerate every day or every day, every meal. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a guy that I work with. He was, he basically, I laugh what he eats. It's just basically just to sustain. It's like ground meat and like whatever he added to Ugh. it, like chopped up like peppers or whatever. <laughs> I joke on, I, you know, I've known him for years. So it's always like a meal like this. Like he just he'll make it for the week and that's just what he brings for lunch. I just can't do that. I was like, what are you eating today? He's, he just knows where, my, where I'm going to go with this. So he's just like dog food. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. I just can't do it. I mean, it's it, keto's tough just because like the, the diet that, that would probably be more appropriate for me is probably more of a paleo diet, which is, you know, animal protein, animal fat, very little dairy and more so fruits and vegetables. That that's I, I'm I'm good on a diet like that. I'm, the problem lately for the past couple of years, I've been I've had no real good diet. It's just been shitty altogether. Yeah, it's tough with with kids and a busy busy work and all that other stuff. Right. So. I mean, you're always kind of eating on the go. Unfortunately, yeah, that's yeah. very bad. I think I've been a little bit more mindful lately, as far into just up my intake of vegetables, just even salads in general. Just trying to eat a couple more salads in a week. You know, it just, it's like I mentioned before, just with the whole vegan thing, trying to go that yeah. route, you feel a little, I mean, I felt like I wasn't as strong. And of course, this is just like in a few days, so it could just be, you know, just placebo effect, yeah. if you will. This is just what I thought because I'm so used to consuming larger amounts of protein or just, yeah. just protein from a different source. Because like I said, I was following these, these recipes. So I'm sure it took into account proteins and everything like that. Yeah. These are books that were just put out by you know, somebody throwing together a bunch of lettuce and, and peppers, like they, they actually some salt, some thought went into it and it had to get published. Right. So, um, but I know eating like that, you like digestively, I felt better. Yeah. Um, I think just avoiding carbs for me. Yeah. I feel better like in a digestive sense. It's not as much bloating. Um, yeah. Sticking with fruit more often, like for as far as like snacks, something like everybody once in a while craves something sweet, right? Yeah. You know, but it's better to have like a, a couple pieces of pineapple rather than eating yeah. a little Debbie snack. Yeah. It's anything made with processed flour. It's just, I, I feel like that's like a universal thing that should really just be avoided by anybody trying to do any sort of diet or 
diet modification, anything like that. I mean, then you could kind of debate the merits of, you know, a, a whole food plant-based diet or, you know, going to the, the extreme on the other side of a carnivore diet. Have you ever, have you ever heard yeah, of that? Yeah, I have. And I think that is something that I always kind of closely associated with keto because just, just in a yeah. visual aspect, you know, because carnivore, like I said, I, I associated with keto with being, you know, just looking at mountains of steaks. Yeah. And like, this is what you're eating, fatty, like marbled yeah. steaks, right? And this yeah. is keto and carnivore being the same thing. Well, I mean, keto encourages eating vegetables, just not starchy vegetables like potatoes or any grains like rice or anything made from, from wheat or anything like that. But isn't but like, there a value to starches? Not really, to be no. honest. I mean, no. I, I, I've, I've thought about that. I mean, yeah, there, there is some nutritional value to eating like potatoes and sweet potatoes and stuff like that, but you could get all those vitamins and nutrients from other food sources. You don't just have to, you don't have to rely just on those. Um, but I, I mean, I think evolutionarily, and, and that's where like, I kind of go back to the paleo diet. It's like, you know, it, it's only been the really last 10,000 years that human beings have, have actually adopted a more agrarian diet where they're actually farming. And with that comes, you know, uh, grains and, and root vegetables like potatoes um, or rice. So why do you think that became, yeah, well, rice, rice is always kind of viewed, you know, when you're talking about like a bodybuilder's clean diet, right? If you yeah. want to put air quotes around that, it's always talked about like, you know, chicken breast and rice. I, I, that's it's all bullshit as but, far as I'm but concerned. But rice could be basically evenly equated to potatoes. I Yeah. And there there's some data even showing that brown rice is actually worse for you than white rice. Which is kind of strange. Don't tell me that I had brown rice last night. <laughs> I mean, I I prefer brown rice because I feel like it just it tastes better for me. Yeah, but that's that's my that's my opinion on it. I don't know. I end up having rice and I end up loading it up with like half a stick of butter anyway, or so. you dump a whole bottle of soy sauce into that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. One way or the that's other. Better. Yeah, it's nothing better than that. Yeah. Kind of defeating all purpose. So yeah, I mean, just in sticking with diets because diets essentially have to be a lifestyle change. And the thing yeah. is we always coin this term diet like as this like are you on a diet? Right? People ask that question. Well, yeah, everybody's on a diet. Yeah. At all times. It is it's just the question is what is your diet? Yeah, the real question is is it a good one or a bad one? Right. <laughs> I know. And, and and quite honestly, I don't think there is one we really don't have <clears throat> a one size fits all diet. No. You know, like our our government tries to tries to, you know, do that even the medical establishment tries to do it as well. Like, you know, heart healthy diet, diabetes, American diabetes diet, and all this <laughs> other bullshit. Right. But realistically, it's, it's all about what people think is best for them and what gives them the best results. So, I mean, there's plenty of vegans out there that are overweight, right? Have high cholesterol. And, and I'm not talking about the vegans who only eat things that are have no animal products in them whatsoever which means like you could get a bag of say like oreo cookies those are considered to be vegan because they have no animal products in them so is eating a whole a whole box of oreos good for you probably not no, because what falls in line with being vegan and not having any animal products is just sugar yeah processed sugar yeah trans fats okay congratulations so you're eating two things that are that are worse for you than, than than animal protein, but 
because of your of your moral compass you decide not to go that way okay i get it you don't want to eat animal animal products but there let's take those people out of the equation that actually take a lot of the garbage out of a vegan diet but they still eat a heavy carbohydrate vegan diet a lot of them still get they, they still become obese they still have health problems so for them a vegan diet's probably not appropriate for them but then there's lots of people on vegan diets that, that thrive that do very very well well okay. there's also portion control that comes into play too yes there, there's that with any diet doesn't matter you know so but then, that's the case you're just somebody that overeats and then exactly. you have something else you need to examine exactly you have people that maybe try a carnivore diet and just can't tolerate it for whatever reason carnivore diet's probably not for you then I mean, there's people that, that do a carnivore diet and they thrive on it. Mm. Well, good for you. Like I said, for me personally, I think a paleo diet is probably a happy medium for me. I'm doing keto now just because I'm, I'm, I need to lose weight. I, I need to drop weight. I'm I, this week, past weekend, I, I topped 240 pounds. I'm five foot seven. I, I, I look like a giant beach ball, <laughs> you know? That's just, it's not cool. Well, it's not, I mean, it could be worse. We could be working, like, talking, like, how are we going to cut Siv out of his house after he dies of a heart attack? You have to take me out with the jaws of life. But it's funny, you, you know, even even a fatty like you, you can't body shame. <laughs> the only people that get body shamed are people that, you know, after you reach your goal. I don't know if you want to reach your goal, because then, once you're in shape, people could body shame you. Yeah. Yeah. You can make fun of people that are in shape. Yeah, exactly. You can't make fun of people that are out of shape. Yeah, God forbid. God forbid. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's 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 funny. You know, people get picked on for all sorts of things. People get picked on because of growing up, you, you can get picked up picked on just because you're like the Italian kid or just because you're the, the whatever kid in your neighborhood. You know, choose oh, whatever. I mean, the whole thing is in my neighborhood was all was Italians, Italians anyways. Right? So there's no yeah. picking on us for that. <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing. Like everybody, everybody got picked on for something when they were a kid. You know, I had I was four eyes. You know, I had big goofy glasses. Parents not getting me haircuts when I should, so I had these big goofy glasses and a big fro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But now, I mean, they're compiling studies in which like 180 dangerous schools if you are part of LGBTQ. And it's it's crazy because skimming through some of this, it's it basically says like, I mean, the schools that are mentioned are a lot of schools that are that fall underneath different religious, you know, that's what they're, they're running on, like Notre Dame, right? Yeah. I, I don't know if Notre Dame's mentioning. I'm seeing Baylor, um, Brigham Young, uh, Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. Like these, like it's a large, very religious sect. Not quite. Let's let's face it. The more into religion you get, mm -hmm. the more you know somebody's not kind of skimming the top on whatever religion it is. Like because those people tend to be a little bit more accepting. But the yeah. people that are like very devout into whatever religion it is, those are the people that kind of shun the, the gay community. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it's no surprise that very, very religious schools in general are the ones that are named, you know, first and foremost. But it, it's kind of kind of funny. The university in uh, university, Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, was added to the list in 2016 due to its history of discrimination placing students in conversion therapy 
this was still a thing as far as 2016. And it's funny because there was a conversation that you and myself had along with your wife just earlier, just talking yeah. about how different things are and even just scholastically different from being in, yeah. you know, the region that we live in the Northeast is to, to the rest of the country, you know, things that we're, we're taught in school are different than things that are being taught in the South. And because of that, a lot of these new ideas that are getting introduced to school curriculum in the South, they're seemingly so foreign, but are there things that we've already discussed, but we look to them and we just see that their, their curriculum's changing. So we in turn automatically think that ours is, yeah. but that would be saying that we're all on the same playing field, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's very, very interesting times that we're in, to be honest from every aspect of life, just, I, I just think, think it's funny that there's actually a published report that's posted on news websites that say, if you're a member of this community, here's 180 schools that you should avoid. Yeah. It's like, then, then go somewhere different. But I mean, thing, here's my question. Are there these warnings for any other ethnicity, any other culture? Probably not. Probably not. Right. And I asked this question earlier to somebody because on the news, it was somebody, it was like, I forget what state it was. It was the youngest African-American poet to be published in something. And I, and I asked my friend, he's African-American and I'm just asking him like, just to, to try to get a different perspective. Yeah. And I was asking like, you know, when everything is defined initially, like forget about what they're, what their accomplishment was. Mm -hmm. Our first thing is to say, well, this is the first African American. This is the first Asian American. This is the first Hispanic American, whatever the case may be, check whatever box you want to here. Yeah. When you're automatically associating them with being of that ethnicity, aren't we categorizing everybody? Which in turn, yeah. I mean, what was, what was cat categorization in, in the Jim Crow era was, was segregation. Yeah. So are we basically segregating everybody prior to announcing whatever their accomplishments are? It's pretty much what it is. But why is that? Because in an era where we want everything so inclusive, but yet we're defining everybody by what they are. Yeah. But yet when it comes to sex, we can't put anybody into a category. Everybody is like across the playing field. There's, we only have one gender basically. Yeah. But we have every other ethnicity it's it's all based on trying to fit a certain narrative that's really what it comes it's down to it's just crazy it, though it doesn't I don't, I don't get it no i i and i i agree it i don't think it really has any any sort of any sort of actual merits in or i don't think it has any sort of what, what am i trying to get at here can't even find the words for this if there's any sort of like you know, ethics to this. That's, I, I really don't think that's what it's coming down to. I think it's just some form of, of virtue signaling or, or something else. And, you know, you, you want equality, but you want to keep putting yourself into a different category. Well, it's like, well, which one is it? And it's like, and listen, most people really don't give a shit what you do on your free time. They don't care about you know, what you do in your bedroom or, or any of that other stuff. I personally don't, I, maybe when I was younger, I did, but it, it that, that came from a place of ignorance because I just didn't understand anything. Right. And I think a lot of us did. Exactly. Exactly. And I think if, if people just 
would mind their own goddamn business. Right. I think we'd but be a lot though, better But it's funny because off. you do see people that haven't gotten out of that. I know, oh, yeah. I know, I know some people that have it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still my friends. Mm-hmm. But it's sometimes it's just like cringy. Some of the comments that they make. You know. Yeah. I remember I was with somebody that I know and younger crowd was was within eye eye distance you know you could see um, not clear enough obviously but one of the people in the group was like had beads in their hair and it was like like this guy snaps over he's like why does that guy have all those beads in his hair it it wasn't a guy though yeah it was number one there was that's the ignorance like because he didn't pay attention to realize that it wasn't actually a guy he just automatically assumed that it was a guy because he was with a couple of other guys and they were all playing, you know, whatever sport together. Grab ass? <laughs> Grab ass. No, there would have been sexual <laughs> harassment going on there. But that and also like enough to say like, not my circus, not my monkeys, dude. I really don't care. Like, yeah. do whatever makes you happy. You know, I think I've said this before. I think it's good in a way that we have different kinds of people. Mix shit up a little bit, man. This yeah. is a human experience. Not everything should be the same. You know, like, how, have you ever had a friend that, like, almost, like, starts to go back and forth with you? Like, maybe, like, you're a 49er fan, right? Yeah. So, it's a West Coast team. I know for a fact you've probably had discussions with people that are sports teams of, of other teams that are like, why do you like the 49ers? You know, and you go on this whole tangent. Yeah. And then you finally just like, I, I don't need, but sometimes people get engaged in it. People do all the time. I see it all the time. Yeah. You know, people getting into an argument about who's the better baseball player, who's the better baseball yeah. team. But yep. it's just like, I don't need to like the same things you do, man. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We don't need to like the same things. I'm sure there's plenty. Of, <laughs> we're talking right now. There's plenty of things that we agree on. Let's talk about those things. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's always fun to have a little banter back and forth. Like if you're asking who the best like who's better between these two teams, who's the better athlete or whatever, or these teams playing each other, and you can go back and forth. It's fun to have that banter. But there's people that legit go off. I mean, take for example, right? A couple years ago, this guy takes his son, his little his little kid, he takes his little kid to a, a game. I think it was, it's wild on the West Coast. So if you're listening, <laughs> got my eyes. What's going on? I think they might have went to a Dodger game. Maybe it was yeah. a Dodger fan. That went to a Giants game, or maybe vice versa. It could be vice versa. Uh, Regardless, the, I think I remember the story. But yeah, keep going. So they went to this baseball game. Maybe they were Giants fans, just for the sake of the story. I mean, this did happen. That could be wrong with this, with whatever team it is. But they went to the game. Guy took his little kid. They were leaving the game. The home team's fans started, you know, running their mouth at this at this guy who was there. Like I said, I'm just going to reiterate because it's a big part of the story. He was there with his son, taking his son to his first baseball game. And they attacked him for no other reason but because he was a fan of the other team. I mean, this is stuff that we read about and people talk about in like Europe, right? And this whole hooligan, yeah, you know, idea that people like to pretend that we've moved on from, but we're seeing it here too. Yeah. I mean, I used to go to Red Sox Yankee games and I would see old men get beat up by young guys just because they were a fan of the other team. Yeah. Listen, I'm all about shit talking. I love shit talking. I will engage in with shit talking all the time, but when it gets to be that point where you're, you're assaulting somebody, not only assaulting somebody, but you're insulting somebody in front of their child. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a level of ignorance 
what are you, what are you trying to prove? Well, it's, it's, it, if you look at all these different cases, it's all about tribalism. It's, it, I mean, we, we've talked about this before. We see even even in politics. Yeah, it's it, it's about trying to be part of a group. And for for what though? Like, I I I, I look. I, I enjoy sports. I have my favorite teams. I don't follow them as much as I used to years ago, uh, back when I was in high school or even like my early college years. I I enjoy sports for the entertainment value of it. It's not, it doesn't define my life though, but like there's some people that just keep arguing a point like, oh, like, you know, so I, you know, I went to the University of Connecticut. I'm a big Yankee fan. At UConn, there was a lot of people from Massachusetts that, that like the Red Sox. Fine. I mean, it is what it is. We used to talk shit all the time back and forth, like especially with, with one of my good buddies that I, I graduated from pharmacy school with. But it's like sometimes it would like with other other people to like get to the point. Oh well, you know, well the Yankees, you know, they they did this. I'm like, like, how do you know that stat? Like that's what, a like, lot of time and like devotion. like you've literally taken and and this is the like what kind of made me finally realize like why do I care so much? I really don't. I mean, I have so much more important shit to worry about in my life other than keeping stats of the fucking Yankees. I, I barely know who the hell's on the, on the team now. Oh, I don't know. I, I know like three guys on yeah, the like team now. Aaron Judge. I mean, that's basically... There's other guys? Yeah. Giancarlo Stanton. Who? Giancarlo Stanton. I remember when he had a different name. What was that? Mike, Mike Stanton. Mike Stanton? Yeah. He used to be Mike Stanton. <laughs> totally different guy. No, it's not. I promise you. Mike Stanton you. was years ago. He played for John Carlos Stanton came from he, from Miami. Yeah, Miami. But he had a different name then. Maybe I'm wrong with the Mike Stanton. Yeah, Mike Stanton used to play for the Yankees years ago. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, I mean, it's just like the shit. No. Talk. Giancarlo Cruz Michael Stanton, formerly known as Mike Stanton, is an American baseball player. But Mike Stanton played for the Yankees. Then he played for the Red Sox. I think he's, he was a pitcher. Look it up. You're making up people now. Look it up, Buttercup. You don't even know who's on the team. Neither do you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like this this whole thing, like back and forth, and like, oh well, you know, what the Red Sox, and you know, you know, when it's it's a clear night in June, they they typically hit five home runs. Like, how do you know that? And why do you care so much? I don't fucking care. Just, just be entertained. Oh, I do remember Mike Stan. He was a pitcher. I told you that, you yeah. dummy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's it, it all comes down to tribalism. That that's really what it comes down to. Everybody wants to belong to a certain group, but realistically, I mean, that's 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 a typical definition of a follower. But he did go to he he did play in Miami as Mike Stan. Fair enough. I know, man, because I used to play video games. <laughs> That's what his <laughs> name in MLB the show. Oh, Jesus. No, but I, I totally agree with you. And the crazy thing is, is if you have an idea that ventures away from what your quote unquote tribe is, mm -hmm. you get looked at with these stairs. Like take, for example, what's going on. Caitlyn Jenner actually came, came to the rescue of, yeah. of Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, if you remember, we were talking about him last week, if you're listening. Um, and it's been all over the news. He basically he has a new a new uh, special called The Closer. And in The Closer, he basically talks about what he went through after his last special because yeah. he made reference to the LBGTQ community. And the thing is, is it, he knocks it out of the park in The Closer because he make he, he tells the story. Yeah. 
about not only his friend and everything that happens with it, but after that he gets into, he's like, I'm telling you these stories, not about them. I'm talking about us. And he's talking about himself as being an African American and making comparisons to basically, you know, the, the LGBTQ community having made so many strides in such a little amount of time where just maybe even 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, just think about the, the leaps and bounds that that community has made in the last 10 years. I mean, I think gay marriage was before that. I think we're going back more than 10 years. Yeah. But I mean, to the, the level that it's not only accepted, but in a lot of instances glamorized, I think it would be safe to say. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the African-American community, they've been going decades, centuries, yeah. you know, I mean, you're going 1800s when they were still enslaved. That's basically two lifetimes ago. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that he's talking about, but instead the focus gets shifted and it becomes this issue with the LGBTQ community. And it's, and it, he, he's right. You know, yeah. he, he's like, you're not listening. He says that in the special, he's like, you're just not listening. Yeah. And I think it's great that someone like Caitlyn Jenner came to the rescue and she made the comment saying that, you know, it's not about, it's not about the LGBTQ movement. She said, it's about woke cancel culture, yep. run amok, trying to silence free speech. And I couldn't agree more. Yep. I agree. Because we've gotten to this point where if you don't agree with what's being said, you are shunned, you're cast in the corner, yep. you're in the shadows. Yeah. And I, I, I finally watched uh, the closer this past weekend and it was funny without a doubt. And I, I never really, I mean, like, I would catch clips of like the Chappelle show and, and like, you know, snippets of him on Joe Rogan's podcast and Dave Chappelle, he is funny as hell and he, he doesn't give a shit about what he says, but what I know, cause I, I, I watched the closer and then I went back and I watched some previous specials. Um, and I, I, I never really like watched his stand-up comedy. I never like watched it start to finish. Mm. But what I notice is that he he's very good at telling stories, oh, yeah. but like he really relates them to to life, and 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 it's it's almost like, and I I don't want to sound all philosophical in this, but it's almost like he's trying to like like give you a good education on stuff. He is. And after George Floyd incident, yeah, he gave he did a special on it. It was on Netflix's comedy channel on YouTube. Yeah. Netflix is a joke. Yeah. And he, I think it was called like nine minutes and mm -hmm. 27, whatever the, the, the time was. Did you watch it? I saw part of it. I was actually really surprised by it. It was really good. Yeah. It was really good. And there's very little comedy in that too. There's little comedy, but it's such, like you said, like the way he tells the story and the way he puts things into perspective for what it's like. I'm not a black man in America, neither are you. And I think that's one thing that we got right when George Floyd happened by, you know, having somebody on the podcast, uh, you know, of that culture yeah. that, that could relate to it to help us understand, because yeah. I think too often that it's a con a conversation that's not discussed, but it's a conversation that's kind of insinuated. Yeah. Like, and that's why we, we come into this situation nowadays, especially like how often do we term the term virtue signaling gets thrown around now. Yeah. Right because it's just people that feel like they have to overcompensate for something because yeah. they're too afraid, I think, in some instances. And maybe I'm going on a limb because some people, you know, I'm not saying everybody 
that, that goes overboard with the virtue signaling is overcompensating for something in, but so I think some people are overcompensating it, but not only that, but it's because they're too afraid to have the conversation. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's certainly that. And it's that they don't want to get caught questioning something, having a debate, having a, uh, countering a debate, like I'll, I'll give you an example. So, so my, my neighbor's Jamaican and we've, we've had plenty of conversations about race and all that other stuff. And I haven't shied away from it because I, because I want to have a legit conversation. I don't want to sit back and just agree can, on right? everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's some things that he says that I agree with, and there's some things that he says that I don't agree with. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to back down from that. And, I, and I'm not doing it to be, to be disrespectful. I, I do it because I, I want to share my thoughts and, and they're right. genuine. They're not hateful in any way, shape or form. But not only that, by, by sharing your perspective, you're in turn learning what his perspective is of that. Yeah. And I, I learned quite a bit from things that he said to me that I was like, I mean, I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, you always worry about if, if you get pulled over by a cop, but he explained to me, he's like, I've had so many bad experiences of getting pulled over. He's like, I, I just, I, I don't look at cops in, in a positive light. He's like any cops. I, I just don't. He's like, I, I've, I've had too many bad experiences. And I, and I look back and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I've kind of pulled over plenty of times. And yeah, I mean, a lot of times I've been the asshole. So I kind of deserved the cop being pissed off at me. Um, but I'm like, like every time. Um, but I, I have to take his word for it because I, I wasn't there. But, you know, I, I would try to counter the argument, but not in a disrespectful way, just kind of like playing more devil's advocate, I guess you could say. But I didn't back away and just agree with everything that he said. I just I that's not me. That's, that's not who I am. So I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. It's funny you bring up the scenario of police interaction, because I feel like a lot of this silencing of this free speech is almost like thought police. It's almost like 1984. Oh, absolutely. That's you know, exactly what it is. Orwellian idea. And yeah. And, and that's and that's the thing that a lot of people are not realizing what's going on is that it's not about the intricate detail of these conversations or of these actions that are occurring. It's the bigger picture that a lot of people are missing. So if you can't if you can't speak your mind, if you can't question something with logic as opposed to just going off on a, on a banter just because you know you're you're, you're being completely ignorant, mm -hmm. then we've lost our free speech. Just like I'm, I'm telling you, like the conversations I've had with my neighbor, right? We have open conversations. We debate back. But you're and fortunate forth. that you could have that because yes. there's a lot of people that can't interact like that. It automatically just in a blink of an eye. Yeah. It just goes to confrontational yep. and they can't carry Absolutely. it on because they feel like their opinion is the only one that matters. And that's that's bad. And and again, it is that, bad. You're right. It's, I'm it's not, not disagreeing with. I'm I'm saying that those are too yeah. often are scenarios yeah. that we see in in a majority of the population. I think. Yeah, and and that that's that's part of the bigger picture that people are missing. It's not about the actual subject matter that that they're debating. It's in the manner in which they're debating. It's they're not open to the other person's ideas. Well, in that case, it's not debating. It's just preaching. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, what it, that's what it comes down to. If you're not willing to keep an open mind 
with what somebody else is telling you, you can still be right. You can still think that you are correct in your opinion. That's fine. But at least listen to somebody, at least hear them out. And, I, and I've learned this as I've gone through my career is to be more open-minded as I go, because I, I've looked back on my career and I've seen, you know what? That person was actually right in what they said. They were, they were spot on. Why didn't I listen to them, you know, right off the bat? Because if, you didn't have a conversation. You didn't, you didn't take the time to learn their perspective. I didn't, exactly. I didn't know that to begin with, but when they first started like criticizing what I was trying to do, instead of, instead of taking a step back and saying, okay, educate me on what you're thinking, I immediately clammed up because, you know, I, I, I didn't want my pride hurt, but it's, essentially it did happen but I, I wasn't open-minded about it. Now it's like I kind of opened myself up to, to a lot more, a lot more um, criticism because that's how you learn better. I mean, I, I can't do what I do if I don't get outside criticism. Well, that could be comparable to like having a book on the shelf, right? You haven't read yet, yeah. but you, you don't want to pick it up and read it because it might be full of a bunch of ideas and perspectives that you're not comfortable with or you Agreed. don't you don't want to agree with. But once you open it up and you start reading, you know, chapter by chapter and figuring out, you know, finding out the reasons for that perspective, right? Then that might change your perspective just by having a conversation. Exactly. I agree. But, you know, too often you see people just on whatever social media platform it is. Yeah. You know, take for example, Facebook, who is now rebranding. Did you know that? Yeah. They're changing their name to Meta. Yeah. Which do you think it's going to catch on? I don't know. It's just, I I personally don't care what the hell they do to be quite honest. Just leave me alone, which I know that they're not doing. No, they're probably listening right now. Probably. Yeah. We're going to, I'm going to go home. When I get home, I'm going to jump on Facebook really quick and see a bunch of ads for some nonsense bullshit that I talked about but don't actually want. Mark Zuckerberg is basically against the door to the studio, just listening in, trying to figure out what we're talking about. Are they talking about me? I know they are. Yeah, whatever. But other. I got some choice words for him. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You talk to some people like they get off Facebook, they'll say, I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I only go on it like, you know, once in a while. Check it out. The only reason I haven't gotten rid of it is because there's still like people that I like on it. And like, that's the only way that I could keep in touch with them. Like it's basically my daily routine is as far as social media goes, like wake up, you know, start getting ready, you know, start my day, look at Facebook, just see whose birthday it is. Like maybe wish a happy birthday. And then that's really it. That's really it. I'll go on Instagram more often in the, it's funny. I have like two different categories, right? Facebook is like friends and family. Instagram is just entertainment, pure entertainment. Yeah. I don't really follow too many of my friends on, on Instagram. It's because I, I see your pictures on Facebook already. I yeah. don't need to see them in two places, but I'll follow like whatever sporting I, I might be into, you know, whether it's premier league, NHL, you know, Yankees too, you know, <laughs> that's how I learned how, how many, that's how I learned the four players that I know It's because they kept showing their highlights all year. I mean like Mike Stanton and Giancarlo Stanton being two of them. God, it's not the same. It is the same person, man. And I, I remember using Mike Stanton when I had MLB the show because he was a lefty reliever that I used to bring in. I used to hate when I had to bring him in too. It's a little dangerous long relief. Yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, all these things are being policed on your thoughts. You, you know, like, isn't it crazy how during the, maybe the last year of Trump's presidency, even until now, you read articles on Yahoo and the comments are disabled. Yeah. I used to love going, it used to be my favorite part of going onto Yahoo yeah. news because I used to love reading the comments. Yeah. Just people going back and forth and granted, you know, we we're just talking about how people aren't listening to each other. They're just bantering back and forth, just yeah. not taking anything in. But you know, if you go into the comment section, you know what you're signing up for. Oh, yeah, of it, course. Pure entertainment. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not going there because I'm like trying to be the voice of reason. I'm not even dropping any comments. I'm just <laughs> reading what, what nonsense is going in on there. But yeah. when they took it away, I think that was dangerous. Yeah. I think it's dangerous because it makes you, especially on a platform like Yahoo News, yeah. where a lot of the stuff they publish, whether you know it or not, they're op-ed pieces. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But people read them and they think it's the news. And th that's this is the the bigger problem that I see today is I don't, I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your sexual orientation is, what your religious, you know, flavor of the day is. I really don't care. The thing that that worries me the most is the fact that people are not using critical thinking skills. That's really the big problem that I see is that people aren't willing to take a step. And, and this kind of comes down to the whole thing about how we debate with others nowadays or how we discuss certain items and how we, we have dissent with one another. And I don't mean dissent where like you're, you're angry and, and completely, uh, uh, completely go against what somebody says. It's, it's about disagreeing with what they're saying, but doing it in a, in a respectful fashion that has been lost completely i mean critical thinking has been thrown out the window well because you're almost not allowed to think anymore and that that's a that's a major problem that that's probably the biggest flaw that i see in our educational system nowadays is the lack of critical thinking and the lack of teaching critical thinking and to think outside the box i mean that's that's how I've thrived in my career is to think outside the box, not just to be completely, you know, protocol and policy driven. It's it, it, when you get into extraordinary times, you have to, you have to have extraordinary thought processes. You really do. When you're in dire situations, you have to think outside the box because if you just think about everything, you know, completely, completely logically, you're not going to get anywhere. Sometimes you have to be able to take a certain amount of risk. And unfortunately, you know, students going through a public school system now, probably for the past 10 to 15 years, I'd say, have lost, have lost a lot of that critical thinking. Or they're not, it's like they're, they're taught that this is the way things are and that's it. You can't question anything. That's very, very dangerous. Right. Right. A lot of these ideas are being told rather than allowing the child yeah. even in some instance, you know, like we're talking about what's on in different curriculum, right? And I, talking to people that I know that teach elementary school and talking about some of the, the curriculum that's introduced there, even with, you know, in, in, in regards to LGBTQ. And I, I understand 
the idea that it, they want to make it so it's more it's not looked at with hatred or you know it's a more open mind yeah but some of the reading like friends of mine that are teachers too talking about what's being read in their classroom mm -hmm. and saying like are we really reading this like yeah. uh, to to a third grader like maybe they should be allowed to kind of make up their mind for themselves in my friend I, I mentioned who actually you know brought this up to his principal it's like are we really reading this and his principal was like yeah but the thing is and i got it um he's like but what if you have a student who is like that but who is too afraid to come out because of what they feel everybody else is going to say so i guess when it's said like that it's like okay well, maybe you do have this one, but it, it depends on how much time is actually being devoted to this, right? I'm not yeah. in these classes, so I don't know. You know, it's like we were talking before, like we don't really know what's being taught in schools anymore because we're so far removed. Yeah. When's the last time you set foot in a, a public school? That's you know? 25 years. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so in the last 25 years, what's been changed in curriculum? Like I, I don't... I don't have kids to to read their history books in a high school, you know, high school setting and see what's actually being discussed and how much has changed. Because let's not forget, I mean, we always talk about how, you know, you have outdated school books. Well, in what subject? Because history is not changing. Yeah. Math is not changing. Yeah. So what's the, I mean, granted, we don't want people going to school with books that are falling apart, you know, turn to page four. My book only opens to page 20. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We don't want instances like that. Yeah. But, I mean, for the most part, I mean, are there really new history books being printed every year? Why? Does it have a new year in it? Are we doing like the last year? Are we going to do like a, a 2020 in review? Guess what? Coronavirus. Nothing happened. Yeah. Shit happened. Yeah. Omit that one. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll rip that page out of the history book too. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's the thing though. I mean, some people could try to change history and I think a lot of, a lot of that is, is attempted, which is, which is bad as far as I'm concerned. But at the same time, you, you have to, you have to stop and think, well, were, were we taught the right history? Were, were we taught things the way they actually occurred or were, were we taught history the As way the author story. the way the author portrays it that i i don't know i i i but i think when when we look back at the totality of u.s history specifically i i mean i think we have a good idea of of how it ran or or you know how it, how it you know how it coursed over time if you will mm. um but you know in some cases there's some people that do try to change history, like this whole thing with the 1619 project and that, you know, yeah. this, that was the first time that, that Africans were brought from, from the African continent to the United States as slaves, as if like, that's when, when the American history occurred. And I was listening to some program the morning and this morning, they're like, no, I mean, like America declared its independence in 1776. Okay. So, uh, you know, we didn't declare it before when the pilgrims came over, you know, on the Mayflower that that was when we declare our independence. It is 1776 as a nation when we declared our independence. So you could come up with any other date you want for any other historic event that occurred. 
But in terms of when um, when the our founding fathers declared our own independence, it was in 1776. But the thing is, is you know, I, I, I get that perspective with the what is 1690, right? That's what you said. Because basically, 1619. Okay, even further back. Yeah. So, but this is based on the idea. This is basically critical race theory, right? This idea that the United States was built on slavery of African Americans. That's what a lot of what the presence is, right? I, and I could be wrong. I, I don't know if they're actually connect. I mean, critical race theory is something that's more modern. I thought. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm. I thought that that was something that was being pushed by because there's a group, I believe, the 1690 Project, right? So I, I was listening to it this morning, and I, I don't. I don't have all the details, so it, it, I, I'll apologize up front to anybody listening in terms of my interpretation of it. So apparently, there's like a New York Times uh, a journalist who who did some research on some of the first Africans that came over um, as slaves to the, to the United States. And, um, and then they, you know, they kind of expanded on that. And again, I haven't read into that to give you any, any other details beyond that, but that's what their whole rationale was. Um, critical race theory, theory, as far as I know, in terms of what I've read into it, and I haven't done a PhD dissertation in this, so so well, again, that's just it. I don't think anybody has, but everybody's talking about it. Well, that and, and that's that's part of the whole thing of this lack of critical thinking, is that we haven't really, you know, we haven't we haven't dove into it, dived into it, whatever the hell the the, the proper verb is for it. Uh, in, in terms of like what it is. Now, I, I did a little digging a while back. I'm like, what the hell is critical race theory? And, and what, it, what it boiled down to at the time was that, was that it seems like, seems like um, that, that white people are inherently racist against anybody that is not of the Caucasian race. And I'm thinking to myself, and, and again, I didn't read into it very deeply in terms of like, you know, what's the origins of this and, you know, what's the rationale as to why? So you're presenting a theory to me, but what's the background behind it? And it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I'm like, I, it, I'm like, okay, so I mean, technically I'm Caucasian. That's the majority of my, my, you know, ancestral race, if you will, with some Sephardic Jew and Middle Eastern mixed into it. But so does that mean that because I'm majority Caucasian, I'm automatically considered racist because of that. Racist against, you know, people of African descent. We'll say black people, just just to, to be as a generalization. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I, I don't consider myself racist. I, I don't I don't, you know, consider a race to be anything, you know, any, any, any other race aside from, from Caucasians to be less than me, that, that doesn't seem to make any sense. And, and I think a lot of that really comes back to the idea that, yes, we do have different races on, uh, for human beings on earth. We have, we have Asians, we have, we have uh, uh, people of African descent, which, you know, are commonly called blacks. We have Caucasians which are typically have their roots in, in Europe. We have uh, uh, people of the, the Indian subcontinent, if you will. I don't know what that race is actually called, but they're a distinct race from Africans, from Caucasians, from Asians. You have uh, uh, Arabians or people from the Middle East. You have all, all sorts of different races. 
but it's okay because we're all humans. We all function the same way. It's not like, you know, people of different races have different functions or that, you know, physically speaking, they're vastly different from one another. And we're, we're not, I mean, yes, physical features. Yeah. We have some differences in physical features, but if you were to look at our genetics, we're like 99.9% similar. So there's no real, no major differences between us. And as far as I'm concerned, and I know I've talked about this on, on a past episode is, you know, biologically speaking, it would make sense for us to mix our races as much as we possibly can, because then we, we, we push out a lot of the recessive genes that are found within certain races. And we bring in the dominant genes of certain races. Okay. So, it's, so it's almost like you're getting the best of, of all these worlds. So the more we, we intermingle with one another, the better it is for for mankind to to move on or, or to basically to, to pass our genetics on to the to the future for survival of the human race as time goes on. Well, I believe years ago, didn't Time Magazine release a, a photo of what they believed humans would look like in maybe a thousand years from now? It's very generic. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. 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 You, you have some, you have some, you have some African features, you have some Asian features, you have some Caucasian features. It, it's like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, you know, a hundred years ago, I think people's races were probably better defined than they are nowadays. Nowadays. I mean, like, like I said, I, I did my, my ancestral genetics like four years ago and I found out that I, I had no idea that I'm, you know, part North African slash Sephardic Jew in Middle Eastern. I never would have known that. So that that makes me more sensitive to to Jews and, and to people from the Middle East, because that's part of who I am. Even being part Greek and being part Iberian, I mean, I, I you know I grew up knowing that I was always Italian, and yet I have some of these genetics mixed in with with Italian, and with some of the other things. So it it, it made me stop and think and say, you know what, I mean. I'm not much different from other people that don't speak the same language or have the same culture as I do. But if we all did that, I think we'd all find that where we have so much diversity, much more diversity than we think we have. And we should just stop and think and say, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have some sort of stereotypes against other people. But that's one of the things that I have a problem with as far as this whole idea of cultural appropriation right because i think it's cool to grab onto different things from different cultures like i understand if the idea of cultural appropriation was just like somebody that's not of of, you know was not hindi right and they're walking around like if you and i were to walk around with a, a dot you know on our head yeah we would look silly yeah and we just we're not of that. So why would we be doing that? Right. Yeah. You know, some of it just doesn't make sense, but it's, it's crazy because there's been some things that have just been accepted for so long. I mean, you see, you know, for so long we would see like, like if we saw a white guy with, with dreadlocks, we just automatically yeah. assume he was a grateful dead fan. Right. Yeah. And smoked a lot of weed, smoked a lot of weed, yeah. but you know, that, and, and just, you know, remember back when, like, I feel like Gwen Stefani used to always want to wear some kind of Asian garb, yeah. right? And people will go back now and they're like accusing her of oh, cultural appropriation from back then when it wasn't the thing. I mean, those, like, 
you see like the silk robes that like a woman would wear like yeah. that that have like that asian kind of vibe yeah. to them yeah they look fucking comfortable dude yeah. like, i'm not gonna yeah. wear a woman's fucking robe well but you like, could it's completely okay it's completely I just wanna, okay just want to make that clear well i mean that would be equivalent like am i gonna wear like a sumo wrestler's <laughs> diaper <laughs> You know, very, but very like true. those Russian hats, they look warm as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, a, lot, a lot of what the, the cultural dress and garb just goes to what is suitable from that climate, from wherever it derives yeah. from. Yeah. But I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, it's all about... As long as you're honoring it and you're not like, you know... I mean, if, if you adopt it for your own style, that's fine. I mean... It, cares i'm not gonna walk around dressed like a geisha <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> with like chopsticks in my hair <laughs> yeah exactly but i mean it's just just do your own thing do whatever you find is good for you just be unique in yourself and if you like other things that people have done and you want to adopt it i mean just you know what go bananas as far as i'm concerned go bananas it's crazy, you know. We've been talking about this like this whole like kumbaya session we've been having for the last hour and a half. <laughs> but uh, so let, let's just touch on some of the other talking points sure. that we might have for this week. So basically, and, and these two kind of go hand in hand. The first half uh, we'll, we'll mention is like this whole idea that ISIS K has the ability. ISIS K, obviously, for listeners that they know that this is the group that was responsible for bombing the Kabul airports. Um, the blast that killed, what was it, 15, 12 to 15 U.S. soldiers. Um, That's the group that's taking responsibility. U.S. intelligence, and and I use that term lightly, U.S. intelligence is is saying that ISIS-K could be capable of carrying out uh, an attack on U.S. soil within six months. Now, do you think they're just kind of shooting with the hip and giving this estimate because let's be honest, they haven't really been spot on. They haven't been Johnny on the spot lately with no. a lot of their, their lack of rather, you know, being able to figure something. I mean, take for example, last week alone, we mentioned the fact that China was able to develop a hypersonic missile that was capable of circling the earth, which means in circling the earth from China, it went over the United States. I think a lot of people fail yeah. to realize that in talking about this, but they're able to develop that without people of the United States intelligence community were realizing what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think this idea that ISIS-K would be possible, it would be possible for them to carry out an attack on the U.S. within six months is pretty, I feel like that's a, that's an estimate that you or I could come up with. Oh, as soon as the, the whole shit show that went down in Afghanistan this past summer occurred, I'm like, yeah, I mean, ISIS and or Al-Qaeda have absolutely no reason not to believe that they can attack us on our own soil. Yeah, and especially with this idea that we're relocating, you know, who may have been working with us. Yeah. May or may not have been working. We don't know what capacity people had been working with us. There's Trojan horses, man. I mean, Greek mythology had talked about them. That's how far back it goes. There's no way that they're vetting every single person that's coming over from here. And I'm not saying that they should have, shouldn't have taken over anybody, but I think it's to be expected that there could be some not so suitable yeah. new citizens that, that came over with the population that did. 
that's not, you know, a little Manchurian candidate that's, that's capable of carrying something out. Yeah. You know, and I'm not generalizing and saying everybody that came over is like that. But uh, what I'm saying is that when there's that max, mass exodus of people from Afghanistan coming to America, yeah. it's not beyond the realm of possibility that there could be somebody that might have a alternative agenda. Without question. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, our, our, our intelligence agencies have been, seem to have been more focused on demonizing American citizens as being, you know, domestic terrorists as opposed to our actual enemies that really would love to see America burn to the ground. But they can't even get that right because, you know, we talked about this January 6th insurrection being, you know, discussed on forums online. And yet nobody was able to pick up on that to realize that, hey, maybe we should put some more, you know, law enforcement or even military presence at the at the Capitol prior to, you know, this rally that took place. Yep. And this is why the special operations community in the military refers to the CIA, FBI, and NSA as the Three Stooges. This is precisely the reason. Because of the bureaucracy and the politics that goes into those those three alphabet communities, basically. It, this is the this is why they are a joke. I mean, they do great work, and a lot of the 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 boots on the ground people that work for those agencies are fantastic at, at what they do, and they are true American patriots without a doubt. But once you start getting to the higher levels of those particular organizations, they're all a bunch of jokers, is what they are, because they're they're all in it for ass kissing. I mean, if if you have you heard any of the any of the exchanges that that our Attorney General Merrick Garland has had with with uh, with the what is it the is it the the Senate um, Intelligence Committee where they they question him on why the FBI has basically been labeling parents attending a lot of these school board meetings as being domestic terrorists? Really? Have you heard about any? No, of that? no, this is interesting. So there's a memo. So was it the National? National School Board Association, uh, or something to that effect. I, I I apologize for butchering that. Uh, put out a memo basically asking the FBI for assistance in this because there's a lot of parents that are going to these a lot of the, a lot of these school board meetings, questioning why the the local school boards were were doing a lot of things that were questionable. Now, to to what extent? It's kind of a mixed bag of different things to do with things like you know critical race theory and and other things that that that, that they're being basically asking questions yes now now to be fair i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna you know i'm gonna play both sides of the aisle here or, or I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be the the the, the automatic quarterback for, for most teams if you will or for both teams um i mean there have been some cases where where parents have been have been completely out of whack or have 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 questioned a lot of things it's a little smoother yeah what is that the the, the crown apple yeah no, nice yeah. um where where parents have, have gotten very very vocal and very loud and and basically kind of unruly about about certain about some some of these meetings and some of the stuff that's gone on there which i mean listen th this is what i know as as an adult what i what i've heard is that the louder you you yell the less people listen to you. You really need to you really need to be logical in what you say and how you say it because people just kind of tune you out when when you become belligerent. I I know I I tune people out like that. 
But at the same, I can't imagine that every single one of those meetings have resulted in just completely belligerent parents with absolutely no logic to what they've said. No, but those are the ones that just go viral. Exactly. You know, of course. There was probably 10 parents that spoke that day. You're catching one. And how many towns have had, you know, meetings like that on that day? Yeah, exactly. But you get this cherry picked one. Exactly. To make that whole agenda look like it's completely whack. Do you want to try some of this? Yeah, I'll try it. There you go. I'll try it. Apple. Nice. Here, take a new one. Take a new iceberg if you want. I, I, still, I still got remnants of this one. I mean, it's it's still going strong, even I mean, despite global warming. So <laughs> it's cold in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the the, it, the interesting thing about it is that I mean, and, and it's let's not let's not lose the big you know the big picture here is that the fbi has labeled parents that have gone to these school board meetings as domestic terrorists and in some political circles these are considered to be the biggest threat to america well that's the idea of what terror is right it is but parents pissed off about what their kids are being educated i mean if i i have two kids of my own right they're not hurting anybody if if my kids are being taught some bullshit in school, bet your ass that I'm going to be very vocal about it at the, at the school board meeting. Mm-hmm. But does that make me a domestic terrorist? No, it makes you being a parent asking questions. Exactly. As to why a certain curriculum is being exactly. Taught. And and while we are while we're doing this with one another here, you know, on our own soil, we have a for an actual foreign enemy that is planning all of our demise. It, they don't care if you're Democrat, if you're Republican, if you're gay, straight, if you're black, white. They don't care. If you are an American, they want you dead. That's the only thing that that they see is a dead American. And yet we're here playing grab ass with one another on what we say at a school board meeting. Like, really? I mean, this this is what we've come down to? Mm. This is ridiculous. It is it's it's insanity as far as i'm concerned right but these are these are the people in charge of keeping us safe and again this is why i said before this is why special operations community considers these three organizations to be the three stooges Hmm. but also attached to that and i'm curious as to what your take is because being of somebody in medicine Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discussion that with Biden's ma- or vaccine, excuse me, with Biden's vaccine va- mandates and the the companies that it basically affects is that like companies over a hundred people should be required to get the, ma- the the vaccine or I think weekly testing, but some places, some places even are just mandatory test or excuse me, mandatory vaccine. Doesn't matter about the test. They want you to have the vaccine. And if you don't have the vaccine, we're, we're shutting you down. You're not able to come to work. And this is affecting production for a lot of a lot of defense contractors. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what your point what your perspective is being somebody that works in medicine, because I mean there's a lot of discussion that, you know, uh, this is this is hurting us defensively. Like Biden under pressure to drop vaccine mandates for federal defense contractors over national security concerns. If you can't get people to work in these national security, you know, contracts, you know, for different companies, whether it's 
I mean, take your pick. Sikorsky, Lockheed Martin, you know, all these. Do you think that there's too much pressure in some of these instances to take the vaccine that that it's harm more harm it's doing more harm than good? I I think it is. I mean, I, I I'm not I'm not for any sort of mandate. But at the same time, you know, if you take a step back and kind of look at all this, you have to ask yourself for the people that are opposing the vaccine. Why are they opposing it? And that that's not that's not being discussed. It's just you need to do this because I say so. But when you try to force something like that on somebody, they're just going to become more rebellious. They're not Mm -hmm. they're not just going to automatically comply just because you say so. Mm -hmm. It's. You know, why don't they why don't they take these employees and talk to them and say, well, you know, what is your opposition and, and why are you opposing the vaccine? And go about it objectively as opposed to kind of go about it more punitively. Why don't you go about it more trying to re- reward them for for the behavior you want them to take? Why don't you suggest that, you know, I will give you an additional week of vacation moving forward? for you every year if you take the vaccine. Um, And the reason why we want you to do that is because, you know, when we look at the data for the vaccine, it is shown to be safe and effective. Um, If you were to look at all the literature, you can show that you can reduce hospitalization, severe illness and death and going on a ventilator. And if you go on a ventilator, this is what you're, this is what you could expect if, if you have COVID. But there's people that don't want to hear that that, that's happening. People, okay. So the first thing people don't, like you said, the more you tell people that they have to do something, the more you're going to get people that say, fuck you. Yeah, the more rebellious they're going to right. be. That, I mean, there are people that have legitimate concerns. I mean, my, they do. myocarditis, right? Yep. So that's one, you know, people, I get it. people have this, you know, concern. I mean, there's still people that are concerned that even despite all the testing that's gone through and by now thousands, millions actually by now, people that have gotten vaccinated and are now pregnant you know, and have given birth to healthy babies. Yeah. I mean, there's still people that think that this is just going to alter their genes. Is it, like they're, they go as far deep as that. Like it's going to turn you into somebody else. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I've, I've talked to people about, it. I mean, at this point here, here's the thing. I just think it's very dangerous. I think it it's is. very dangerous as we talk about these, these threats from ISIS K and that's just one. There's, yeah. there's plenty of other out there yep. and, the more that you tie our hands as far as defense contractors, you know, in producing weapons that we need because we just left most of them in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think we're really putting ourselves behind the eight ball. Absolutely. And especially when you're talking about the potential for an attack being in six months, what are we armed with? I mean, don't get me wrong. I know we didn't leave our whole arsenal there. We still got shit at home. I would hope not. I don't think all of it is in <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> I mean, shit, we spent 20 years there. I'm sure there's a good portion of it there. It's a lot. Yeah. That is pretty good, huh? Yeah, not bad. Dangerous regal. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's it's a slippery slope, I think, that we're on. And we, we knew that when we first talked about mandates in general. But I don't think, yeah. like, this isn't something that I think, I, I didn't think about it. And it's funny to see how many different places that it hits. You know, I mean, 
I, I'm convinced that even a lot of the issues that we're running into as far as the supply chain are just because, you know, a lot of these mandates and people being locked out of jobs because they're, they're being handcuffed yeah. and forced to, to receive vaccines that they don't want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that definitely has a lot to do with it. I, what, I mean, I, listen, when, when I was in, when I was in clinical practice, we had this thing where we were mandating flu vaccines for, for our employees. We're probably one of the first hospitals in the state of Connecticut that, that mandated that. I came right out. I mean, as a subcommittee, when we first started talking about it, I was in opposition to it. And I said, you know, what's the purpose of us implementing this? It's like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's to protect our patients. It's like, okay, I get that. And I, and I understand that there is a nosocomial spread of influenza that can occur in hospitals. I get that. Uh, there's plenty of literature to document that. I'm, I'm, I'm not disputing that whatsoever. I said, however, from an infection prevention or an infection control standpoint, I go to the ICU twice a week. I look around at what happens. I see patients uh, in the ICU that have um, that have uh, uh, contact precautions on their on their doors, and because they have a multi drug resistant bacteria that that they're dealing with. So you know, for those patients, you have to wear gowns, gloves, all that other stuff before you even go into the room. I can tell you with confidence that more than half the time, okay, if not closer to 75% of the time, most healthcare personnel were not complying with that particular warning to protect other patients. Okay. But what that means is that they could go into the room if they don't wear the proper precautions, if they don't, if they don't clean their hands the way they're supposed to, they can get that bacteria and spread it to the next patient that, that they go take care of. Is, that's not what's typically referred to as a staph infection, though, is it? I mean, staph is is a type of bacteria. So, but that's staph. Staph, yes, right. Staphylococcus aureus, right. specifically hear... methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureus. Right. I do remember hearing people talk about. I don't want to go to the hospital because if I go to the hospital, a lot of times you get infections and die because it's just from germs that are the, the staff that work there. They get it and they, they give it to you. No, it's not the staff that work there. It's the staff that resides there. Like the fucking jan- <laughs> like the janitors passing around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, I, and, and I, I, I voiced my opinion that in that case. And I said, listen, I said, if we really want to take care of patients, then we should be worrying first about what our workers within the hospital are not doing that they should be doing to help protect patients, as opposed to forcing them to get a flu shot. And I, I mentioned that, and, and, and this is for coming from me as somebody who is an advocate for the flu vaccine. I get my flu shot every single year. My kids get it. My wife gets it. My dad got it for years. Um, I'm, I'm an advocate for it because for me, it's not just about protecting you from being hospitalized. It's about protecting you from feeling like shit for a couple of days. Right. That, that, that's really what it comes down to. And, and, you know, preventing the loss of productivity. It, so it's it's more than just, you know, a healthcare thing. It's 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 a it's an economic thing. You know, it's a, it, it's an ounce of pre- it, it's an ounce of prevention is really what it comes down to. Right. So, you know, I'm I'm not against the idea of a flu shot, but I just if we're if we're mandating it because we're trying to protect our patients, there are better ways we could protect. But why do you think it is that we're mandating a coronavirus shot, but we're not mandating a flu shot? 
some places actually do mandate a flu shot. Now, not all of them, but I think a lot of it really has to do just just because of the pandemic. I, and we're just trying to get a control on it. Get get the numbers down on it. Exactly. Which we're it's funny because we're in such a bubble here in the state that we're in. We're in Connecticut here, right? We're in such a bubble that you know, we're doing among the best in the country. Yeah. Where you look outside of it and it's hard to understand, you know, but at the same time, you know, one of my friends, he's in the service and he's like over the past six weeks, he's spent time in like three different states. He's and he was just telling me like, he's like, Florida doesn't exist there. It's nothing. He's like, surprisingly, South Carolina cared about it a little bit more than Virginia, (laughs) but that's it. Like he's like here because the news was on and like he just he's like, Jesus, they're talking about this still here. And I was like, well, you know, right now they're talking about it just because and we'll get to the next subject. And and these the vaccine is being released to children now. Yeah. And that's that's basically the only reason that they were talking about it there. He's like, yeah, they're not even talking about another places and this and that. Like, well, Florida, I don't expect them to. Well, I mean, yeah, you can you could ignore something and hope it goes away, but it doesn't mean it always goes away. No, no, that's not what I'm getting. What I'm getting at is that, you know, because I I do know people that were like that. You know how to get coronavirus to go away? Just stop talking about it. Yeah. Oh, really? Because, yeah, everybody's just going to just, no, it's yeah. just going to go away. Yeah, you, you could bury your head in the sand. Grandma's and... alive again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unreal. Yeah. But it, it, it's funny. I mean, okay, so now with the idea that children are being vaccinated now. It's yeah. kind of funny because it came across somebody's post on social media and they were talking about how this idea that their child was going to be tested in their school district, it blew their mind. Right. And I was just like, well, I, I didn't, I didn't inject myself into the conversation. I just saw it. And I was just like, I just kind of shook my head because that idea, like, like a test is nothing. It's not like they're drawing blood from them. They're not pricking them with a needle. It's a little swab in the nose. They're not touching your brain anymore. Right. (laughs) I mean, I've been tested so many times over 60 at this point, over 60 tests that I've taken. Yeah. I'm fine. Like it's like, and not only that, but especially as a parent, why wouldn't you want to know if your kid's sick? Well, because it's that whole thing with like, you know, let me bury my head in the sand and, and hope, and if I do that, then this will go away, but it's not, it's, it's just, you're, you're, all you're doing is kicking the can further down the road. That's all you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, this idea of, of like being against your kids getting tested, I'm, I'm kind of at odds with now the idea of mandating, which I haven't seen anything yet right now. It's just released that the vaccine is available to children and that's what five to 11. So it's been it's been reviewed by a federal vaccine panel. Uh, they reviewed the data right now, and they said that for so they voted seventeen to zero with one one. Um, I almost said abstinence, but that's not the proper term. Would you have an absentee vote. <laughs> yeah, an absentee vote you, or, or one you voted not here. Yeah, one one uh, panel member abstained from voting for for a variety of reasons but 17 to 0 basically a, approved of the data that that came through on it and said that it was safe and effective for children ages 5 to 11. so um well if this idea is that kids handle the disease itself better wouldn't the idea that they handle the 
artificial infection of, of an, an mRNA vaccine to be, should they be able to handle that better as well? I mean, so, so you would think in, in most of the vaccines that people get, they usually get them as kids, right? Polio, influenza, or polio, mumps, rubella. Uh, yeah. Measles, mumps, rubella, chicken pox, pneumococcal pneumonia, influenza. Wait, there's a chicken pox vaccine? No. It's been, there's been one out for a number of years. Well, they didn't have one when I was 18 because I almost missed my high school graduation with chicken pox. <laughs> I don't even remember if I got chicken pox to be, to be quite honest. Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever got it. I got a couple scars. Do you? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I graduated high school, almost missed graduation. Like I, I basically became asymptomatic, like got over chicken pox, like the day before mm. I was set to walk across the stage, maybe like a week later. I'm, my face is scabbed still, right? 18 years, just got over chicken pox. Oh, look at the zits on his face. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, and it's funny. I ran into somebody, you know, at like an after, you know, after a graduation party. I mean, like I saw the way that you know, my friend was looking. I was like, yeah, you know, I haven't, I almost missed graduation, you know, chicken pox. It's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, you were looking at me. You thought like I just had bad acne, didn't you? She's like, actually, yeah, I did. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, generally, I mean, yeah, I mean, most kids do well with any vaccine. But is it all of the vaccines that are being opened up for that age group? Is it Johnson Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer? That's a good question that I don't know of. Hmm. Um, I believe it is the mRNA vaccines. So that would be Pfizer. Actually, sorry, I'm sorry. So, uh, so this is from an article in AAP publications, American Academy of Pediatrics. Or says first paragraph says and i quote a federal vaccine panel said tuesday the benefits of the pfizer biontech covid 19 vaccine for children ages 5 to 11 years outweigh the potential risks although some expressed hesitation in recommending it for all children in this age group end quote so that, that's the very first paragraph of the actual article itself. So it looks like it's Pfizer's vaccine specifically. I'm sure Moderna will probably be submitting something, although I did hear some that Moderna's age group is 6 to 11 as opposed to 5 to 11. Hmm. So something to keep in mind there. I mean, I, I didn't expect anything outrageous coming out of this. I, right. I expected it to be effective and safe uh, for this age group. Um so well especially if it got released if it, excuse me if it didn't get released and they were saying reason before it wasn't safe enough for people that age i think that would slow down the amount of people that they're you know that would be willing to take it yeah in any other age group yeah no, i agree yeah agreed so lastly but leastly and definitely leastly leastly Usually you say lastly, but not leastly. This one is definitely leastly. Well, it's kind of funny, you know, because it goes towards Congress who can't seem to get anything done this year, right? Yeah. What, what have they gotten done so far? They, I think they've gotten a couple stimulus bills. They've tried to pass a couple things and to no avail, right? We got this big spending package that's on the doorstep. I think Biden wanted to push it through this afternoon. Haven't really got a chance to see too much about it, but something we could all agree on, rock and roll, right? Prince. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's nothing more important than that right now. <laughs> you know, here, here's the thing. If, if the CIA, 
NSA, and FBI are considered to be the three stooges. What is Congress? Well, the Senate and the House of Representatives are Shem, Shemp, and Joe. <laughs> okay. The, the other two misfit uh, uh, stooges in that group. That's pretty much what they are. They're, they're all just, they're, they're all one big joke, to be quite honest. And I, and, and I mean that sincerely. They, they really, it, it's, it's just, it's, it, our, our political class in this country is an absolute laughingstock. They get nothing done. I'm, I'm, I'm so irritated and so just completely over our, our, our congressional leaders. They're just, they're, they're a laughingstock. That's really what they are. I mean, I, I mean, the world is fucking burning around us. And yet, and, and nothing against Prince perfect, or, you know, to, to be quite honest, he was a hell of an artist. And he deserves whatever, whatever recognition he gets. But I mean, like this is this is our, our press. This is a pressing matter. Like it, it just it's beyond me at this point. It really is. It just it, it makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. But this is what we're talking about. This is where, this is what needs to be passed through Congress. Apparently, <laughs> I mean all, all of our representatives in in Minnesota, you know, think that that this is the most pressing matter. He is Minnesota. He is. Alien Omar. That's her territory. Oh, God. Is she spearheading this? Part of that. Part of that squad. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, that was the week, folks. <laughs> Good to have you back in, man. Absolutely. Hope glad you enjoyed the, the Crown Royal yeah. apple blend. It's it's enjoyable. Put it that way. It is. It's something like I want to be sitting on a deck, like in the summer. In the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a cigar. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Go full blown sure. with the cigar. I like it. That's all, folks. That's all we got for this week. See you next week. Any questions you got, send it to Ocho in the Civ at yahoo.com. Not to be confused with Ocho in the Civ.com because that doesn't <laughs> exist yet. Ocho in the Civ <laughs> at yahoo.com. Peace out, folks. Peace. Peace.